Welcome to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Each week, our host, Dr. Laura Shinneman, dives deep into school library topics to help you build your skills and take charge of your own professional development. Her mission is to create an environment where librarians flourish and become lifelong learners. Now, on to today's podcast. I was really happy to get a personal update from Carson and know that she and her family are doing well in Morocco. She has some good words of advice for all of us as we're going through the COVID-19 crisis. She knows we're all worried about the future of libraries, but she's really excited about how these circumstances will move libraries forward. We're experts in integrating technology, and we can be a huge support to our teachers and our students. She challenges us to keep innovating and growing and to prove that we're invaluable to administrators, teachers, students, and parents. She doesn't think they're ever going to forget our help. So librarians, let's get moving. And at the end of the show notes, I've included the rest of her message. I'd like to welcome everybody to the Librarian Influencers podcast. And today we have International School Librarian Carson Lamaster with us. So Carson, can you give us a little bit of background about your library experience? Yeah. Hi, guys. So I was a classroom teacher for the first six years of my career. Um, I taught the kindergarten and first graders. I've been a librarian for the past eight years, and I'm on my third library flip, as I call it. Um, I was in Western North Carolina first, and then a, a library in Nashville, Tennessee. And now I am teaching abroad for the first time in Rabat, Morocco. I'm really oh excited. Gosh, that's to exciting. <laughs> yeah. What a huge transition for you. How, how did that come about? Um, I've always wanted to teach abroad. So I, you know, I tried several times, like trying to figure it out and just never, it never ended up happening until I finally just did it this time. I, I figured out how to get an agency, uh, worked through um, um, search associates and they were really great. And it was, um, it was actually a lot easier than I thought to make this happen. So if, if anybody out there is thinking about doing this someday, uh, feel free to send me a message and I will be happy to talk you through it. So does that agency, they just fill like international spots or is it just like a overall headhunting for any kind of career or what, what is that? Um, no, it's, uh, it's just for teaching, um, okay. international teaching, and um, they're basically an intermedium between the schools and the candidates. So okay. um, schools can post jobs there and candidates can post their resumes and, and send messages to the schools that they're interested in. So that's okay. how I found Neat. my school. Yeah. I was not even aware of that kind of thing for the education field. You know, you hear about it in big fancy jobs, but <laughs> in education, that, that's exciting. So how yeah, did that transition work with your certification? Like how, tell us a little bit about that process. What was needed? Yeah. So um, to teach internationally, at least at my school, I was required to be certified in the United States. Um, any state would work, but um, I, my degree is in, or my certification is in North Carolina Okay. Um, for all of my certifications, including the elementary education. And um, so it was a pretty easy transition. Uh, they just needed a copy of my, um, my certification in North Carolina. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So who are the students at your international school? It's a very international campus. Um, about It's an American school, um, but it's not directly associated with the embassy. Um, 
but it, it works closely with the embassy. And uh, about 30% are Moroccan, about 30% are American, and the other 30%-ish are from all different countries. So it's a really nice mix. Wow, and do they all speak English, or, or how does, what, what's the language issues? Yeah, um, the language of instruction is English, so everyone okay. eventually can speak English, and, um, they have instruction also in Arabic, classical Arabic and French, and also some classes are doing Spanish as well. Okay, so in your library then, um, are, do you just have a huge variety? Are you split pretty well with all the languages or how, how do you, how do you build right. a library collection? <laughs> I know. Well, this this library collection is actually pretty astounding. Um, we have over thirty thousand. Oh my gosh! <laughs> wow. Yeah. So um, it it is a huge library, especially for a school. It's actually the largest English language library in Morocco. Okay. Um, and so we have most most of the books are in English, and then um, the the collection had been developed up to this point with. Um, um, a lot of French and a lot of Arabic books okay. as well. And so I'm trying to um, bring the number of Spanish titles up. And also I'm, I'm just working on uh, the collection development today. So I'm, if I sound a little bit foggy, it's because I've been <laughs> looking at Follett Tidal Wave like okay. for a week solid. Interesting. Um, yeah, so I've been finding at least one book in each language that is represented at my school okay um, so that i want the kids to feel like they're represented and that, that um you know that their their language is important to us yeah. and it is so does follett have a have representation overseas or is it the american-based side and they are shipping to you overseas um yeah i'm actually not sure exactly where our rep is located. I think they do have a specific rep for Africa. Okay. And um, we do, we order the books from the United States and they're shipped over with the other things that the school is ordering. Okay. So it's kind of a bit of a process, which is why we uh, have to do the ordering in January so we can get them hopefully by the time school starts next year. Oh, wow. Way in. Okay. That's a yeah, huge way in advance. I'm, I'm thinking at least a half a year ahead all the time. Goodness. Wow. So I, I guess when the award lists come out, you're quick to jump on those so you can try to eventually yeah. get them. So, okay. Yeah. Well, you mentioned you've had three different starts, you know, in your three different states that you, I mean, or your two states and now overseas. So what are, what's something you remember about like a first year in, in any of those libraries? Well, I mean, my first year, as a librarian, I was really trying to find my way and figure out what am I supposed to be doing? Because I, you know, I, I was a classroom teacher. I wasn't certified in library. I didn't have my master's degree yet. Okay. Um, but so I, you know, it was like, it, are we teaching reading? Are we teaching research information? Um, you know, and I've, I've learned as I've gone that it's actually a lot of different things, but mm -hmm. um, uh, at every school that I start at anew, 
I feel the same feelings. Okay, it's good to know. What what am I supposed to be doing? <laughs> um, it is this. Uh, you know, do, does my admin want me to focus more on this or more on this? And what is the culture of the school? And how can I bring it from what it is into a little bit of a different view? Mm-hmm. So I feel um, every time I start a new, I I feel a little bit um, kind of freaked out that everything is all new again, but I honestly love the feeling, which is why I'm on my third library. Um, (laughs) I I actually love doing this. I like seeing a collection that needs a little bit of work and being able to have the courage to deselect the titles or Mm -hmm. the, the books that no longer need to be there and, and purchase some really fresh, great books build up the culture of literacy and reading in the school. And um, one of my favorite things is to start building a makerspace and having the kids shift from just thinking, well, I am here in a library to learn what everyone else has to say to I have good ideas myself and Mm -hmm. I am a creator. I am a thinker and I want to share those ideas with everyone else. So they're not so much just a consumer, they're a producer. And um, that's a really amazing transition to see when it, when it happens in a school. But it, it does take years for that culture to change. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a slow change. Um, certain things start happening right away. And you know, the first people that really get it the kids, the kids, (laughs) the kids. And it, and it is all about the kids anyway. It really is. It's all about them. And if, if everybody can keep the kids in mind and and focus on the kids and what the kids need, then it's going to be great. So you're, you really are talking about the influence, you know, that you have on that campus. You mentioned the campus culture. Um, What, what other kind of things do you see uh, yourself influencing? As right. So, so this year, as my first year at this school, I'm definitely um, turning some heads and maybe even raising some eyebrows <laughs> um, because I, I mean, people probably think I'm crazy with some of the things that I'm, I'm doing or allowing the kids to do. Um, but, you know, I've, I've done it before and I know that, that if, if I just wait on them, they'll see it eventually though. I call it, see the magic, <laughs> they'll see the magic eventually. Um, but I, I, I do think that, um, I think that libraries are changing and it's an important message for everyone to understand, not just other librarians. They, they are, it's very important that they understand what their role is in a school and how much of an influence they can be. But I think that um, I really don't just want to reach librarians. Mm -hmm. I want to reach everyone that thinks that libraries should be quiet places. And there's this mean lady with a bun that's old (laughs) and is shushing everyone. I actually read some, some article about libraries and, um, I guess the librarian there said that sh is a four letter word. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. Like add some no, extra that, H's that, on the end. <laughs> yeah. That really resonated with me. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
so you're, you've been there about a year, close to a year now. So what kind of influence are you seeing yourself working on there in the future? Like what are your future goals there? Um, right. So my school, uh, they had this in mind before they started the hiring process that they wanted they wanted a librarian that was willing to turn the library from simply a library, a quiet place of study and reading into a learning commons. Okay. So that is my challenge at this school to make sure that, you know, the kids are able to, to, you know, fulfill that goal that I said before that they're becoming producers and they're, they're thinking and showing their learning. And it, it's really a shift in thinking because, um, a lot of teaching that has happened in the past has been, you know, teacher knows everything mm -hmm. and I tell you something and you should be able to tell it back to me mm -hmm. in this model. It's librarian as facilitator. Okay. Um, it's, it's kids teaching me. I had a kid just yesterday. It was crazy. Um, he he was using a makey makey and i didn't teach them how to do this you know i'm just i provided this for them and it's a seventh grade group and they're doing passion projects so um we're calling it genius hour they're just yeah. there to learn what they want to learn and so they each have their own little goals so he wanted to make a game controller for a computer game that you could do with your feet Okay. And so he did all the research. He learned the engineering design process through this because it didn't work the first time and he had to change things. He had to test and keep revising and, and, and like just keep persevering through it. And finally yesterday it worked and he was so excited. All the students ran over to play his game. Oh my goodness. And yeah, and, and just saying, Oh, you're so smart. This is awesome. And then some of the kids, even, you know, this is back to that, it's a shift in thinking. Some of the kids would even say, um, No, Miss Lamaster, congratulations on this. The kids were saying that to me. And I said, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't do it. it. I didn't. I didn't tell him how to do this at all, that it was all him. And, you know, just to be a part of, of that amazing experience for a child that they are taking ownership of their learning and realizing that they really can do anything as long as they know how to do some research and they know that they can't give up. It's just really cool. That's exciting. Very exciting. And I know earlier when we were chatting, you were kind of talking, you used that phrase about flipping your library, you know, and we hear that a lot with classrooms. Describe a little bit more about what, what does flip your library mean to you? Um, so I'm not sure where this like came about, but I started thinking of it as like a pancake, I guess, you know, like people will say, Oh, that was my first pancake. You know, I messed <laughs> up. I want to do it again, which I, mm -hmm actually happened when we started recording. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> uh, but you know, like, you know, I just started thinking about this, like, idea of how people are flipping homes and, and, and changing something that, you know, a lot of people can't, they can't see the good in it. And I am honestly terrified um, that, that's in some places, libraries are, ceasing to exist 
And it's very important to me that, that everyone understands what we can do and what we can bring. If we change our way of thinking and become the libraries that are needed in this century. And um, it's just a, a really cool thing when, when people start to realize that. And I, I've had some people even say like, oh man, librarians are cool now. Now. And I'm like, yes, yes. Like, I'm glad you're noticing this. Like libraries are changing. Libraries are fresh. Libraries are relevant. Mm -hmm. And I want, I want that message heard by not just administrators and teachers and students and parents, but every person just, you know, yeah. some guy that works at an office, yeah. people that are, you know, writing books or movies where there's this stereotypical librarian character that, you know, I tend to cringe when I'm like, no, that's not what we say. Yeah. That's not how we act. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so that's, that's basically the, the flipping thing. Um, just, you know, just changing it into something fresh, really changing it as much as possible. Yeah. And a lot of what you're describing right now, um, I was able to interview Jennifer Lagarde. I was very fortunate to, to meet up with her uh, last oh, fall. Yeah. yeah. Another North Carolina library. And That's I actually true. Knew her. Okay. And, yeah. um, and she, she was talking about the, the big idea that our goals as librarians stay the same. The, the overall yeah. goals are staying the same, but it's our strategies that change. And, and you're kind of describing right. that now by the flip part. Um, it could change, you know, from school to school or state to state, or even maybe generation to generation. You know, there's some things that do have to change over time. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. And of course, like uh, a lot of people misunderstand and they think that I don't want the kids to read anymore, mm -hmm. but actually the kids are more likely to want to come to the library and to check out books. And so it, it changes the reading culture simultaneously. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's at least my experience. That's what I've noticed at every school that kids yeah. are really loving to read. Um, <clears throat> yeah. One, one quick word about, about reading that I, this is kind of in my soapbox lately, but to honor student choice when they are, are deciding on a book. And it's something that I'm trying to really communicate to parents um, because I think that, you know, if your kid is reading Dogman, then that's great because of that verb that we used, your kid is reading, right? Exactly. You know, and, and that's the goal. And yes, of course we want them to have some variety and to try some new things, but the main goal is that they're reading. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, uh, as, and I've, I've know some librarians that, don't allow student choice as much as they should probably that, mm -hmm. you know, they've, they say, well, you know, don't get this or don't get that. Or, or perhaps they're even curating their collection to be books that they think are appropriate versus mm -hmm. books that kids would like. Right. And like I said, it's all about the kids. Yeah. The collection should reflect the kids and the kids wants. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I do um, to make sure that that's happening is I put out a big piece of butcher paper on the wall from the beginning of the year uh, for about a few months. And I let the kids and 
uh, I, I myself will go over and write on it. And they're writing books or resources they think our library needs. And that's how I feel the pulse of the, the student body. I'm hearing what they want. Like, I know that my, my student, my current students want manga because they wrote it on that sheet probably 10 times. Over and over. <laughs> You're so, kind of making so a word that, that I need to invest um, some of my budget in yeah. some, some awesome, cool books for these kids that they're wanting. So, mm -hmm. and, and that can only increase your circulation. It can only increase the love of reading at your school. Yeah. Um, just listening to those kids. I mean, it's their library. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And I, I always love to refer people back to Stephen Krashen. You know, he's a, a researcher that librarians need to know. You know, he's a reading researcher, but his whole thing is free and voluntary reading. Um, the wow. student yeah. choice is very important. All the research points to when they have that choice, all their other academic areas and um, their learning increases. Um, and he yeah. just points that out over and over again. So if you're a librarian and you're trying to get some backup, you know, to talk to your admin or teachers or whoever, uh, look for that name, Stephen Krashen, and I'll be sure to link to him um, in the show notes yeah. so people can see Absolutely. That. Yeah. I'm going to look at that link too. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, and then also, you know, you mentioned librarians that, that and it may not necessarily be the librarians that are telling the kids what to read, but the idea of censorship in the library. So what, right. talk about that a little bit. What do you see going on or what, it, not at your library, but, <laughs> but what, do, what do you hear about? Well, um, you know, I, I do see a lot of confusion, confusion along with censorship. Um, I took a, I don't, I don't think all the librarians at um, my school had to take this um, when I was studying, but I took a special class about um, intellectual freedom and okay. it was my favorite class by mm. far. Um, just learning about the the laws and the court cases and you know best practices uh, associated with intellectual freedom and a lot of people celebrate banned books week but it really should be happening all the time it mm -hmm. should be just part of our policy and part of our mindset that if an author writes a book for a, a child they mean it for that child to be able to choose mm -hmm. and um libraries are all about choice um you know it's it's different from classroom reading timer or you know when a teacher assigns a book for homework these kids are picking what they want if right. they don't like it they don't have to read it mm -hmm. um and of course of course the parents want to have a say with with what their kids are reading but requiring parent permission slips or having a section that's roped off um, is it's not free access mm -hmm. and in in my experience from what kids have told me that if they're this is horrible parents I'm so sorry if you're listening but the kids have told me they said if my parent says not to read a book it makes me want to read, read it, it <laughs> that reverse psychology coming out yeah yeah totally so I think that it's all about you know teaching parents how to communicate, teaching the kids how to communicate. And I've had kids bring me a book and say, you know, there were some words in here that I wasn't comfortable with. And I, mm -hmm. I say, you did the right thing. It wasn't a just right book for you. For you, right. And, and right. And it's, that's, that's the kicker is that for you, mm -hmm. it might be right for other people. 
And so that's why we don't take it out of the library because uh, it was a fifth grader, right? They brought back a graphic novel that, see, I've got pre-K through 12th grade, so I have all the books in one thing. That's interesting, okay. Yes, so they do need a lot of guidance with that and guidance is what I give. My my opinion or my guidance is not the end-all be-all, it's still their choice. Um, but I, I've talked, I talked to this, you know, fifth grader that was bringing this book back and I was like, Oh, did, you know, you did the right thing. And she was like, it, well, it wasn't my book. Um, if somebody else checked it out, but I read it before and it didn't bother me at all, ah. <laughs> and like, you know, and yeah. that's how it goes. Like it's, it's yeah. why we have libraries so that people can read what they want. Okay. And like me, I don't read books with bug pictures because <laughs> I'm not into that. that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're pre-K through 12. And I, I know if you were at some libraries here in America, that would, that would mean maybe you had a pre-K section, you know, versus a young adult section, but it sounds like you have everything. I, well, I do, I do have sections, but so my, my campus is brand new and okay. Um, they're going with this um, one library and one library learning commons mm-hmm. space. Okay. And so um, all of the students are in there together, which is really amazing because, you know, you'll see high schoolers helping little kids and, Love it. you know, it's, it's just a great community building space, which all libraries should be. And um, the books are separated somewhat. So we, we basically have like one side is generally more the elementary books. Okay. And one side is more the secondary books. Um, but they were in two separate libraries on the old campus. Mm-hmm. So it's still a transition period where we're trying to figure out how we want to merge it and what we want to do as far as that goes. Um, <clears throat> But there's definitely not this like huge red line down the library where you can't go over there because those yeah. books are scary, you, you yeah. know. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, it's a, it's it's definitely a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing about challenges is is that it's a great opportunity to think creatively and to grow. You're exactly right. So I know like here, some, somebody might instantly think of, oh, just label the books with, with stickers. Um, how do you feel about labeling? Um, I'm very against labeling unless it's to help kids find the book they want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, for example, I have a horror section in my library. So I'm like, I'm not, I, I don't genreify yet. Um, I genreify some things. So I noticed the horror books, you know, you'd get books about ghosts in the 100s and then you'd have some like ghost stories in the 300s and then you've got all the fiction. And so I was like, ah, my first year as a librarian, I was like, I cannot keep taking you guys all over the library to look at these books. We're going to put them all in one place. Mm -hmm. And so that is an appropriate use of labeling to allow students, right. To allow students to find what they want, but saying, you know, this book is rated R or young adult only, um, you know, that, that can stigmatize the book and could stigmatize the kid that's got it checked out. Mm -hmm. It could, you know, I saw someone post on Facebook, a really great point. Um, 
by the way, if, if you guys aren't in a Facebook group for librarians, join one. It's exactly. awesome. It's exactly. a great community because you can feel like an island as a librarian because you're usually the only one at the school. So someone posted on this Facebook group um, that, you know, what kind of legal implications could there be if you forget to label a book? You know, if that's if that's the policy and you're supposed to label all these books with questionable content, then, you know, you forget one or, or somebody thinks it's questionable and you don't. I mean, that's the whole yeah. thing is it's, it's your opinion um, about what is questionable is is kissing questionable. I mean, my kindergartners would say yes, <laughs> but most young adults would not the, yeah. you know you know so some parents have different ideas of what's appropriate and what's not mm -hmm. so the best thing is to to let them choose for themselves and for them to have an open line of communication where they can talk to us about what they've read if anything in the book is is upsetting to them or they can talk to their parents and and question and say well, what does this mean and you know have a conversation about it. it's a great way to to bring about a conversation and really authors are writing these books to help kids. Mm -hmm. So like if there's a book like 13 Reasons Why, you know, where, you know, some people would think, oh, well, you know, I, I don't want my kid reading about suicide because then I'm scared that, that, you know, they'll do something to themselves. But really what in my experience, what those books do is they help those kids find a connection that they may otherwise be missing to humanity. Other people feel like this. Wow. I'm not alone. Not alone. Right. Right. And another awesome thing I saw on Facebook is for some of those books, um, a librarian has put in the front cover a, um, a number to a hotline. Oh, like it's a suicide hotline. Yeah. Okay. If, if you are feeling, you know, uh, like you need some help, here's where you can find the help so that it's, oh, I love that. Yeah. That's a brilliant idea. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Wow. Well, you have said so many, you've given a lot of ideas today about people who want to think about flipping their library, you know, same goals they've always had, but new strategies. So what would be some easy first steps for our listeners? I think um, one of the first things to do is to really study the AASL standards. Um, they actually have three sets, standards for the learner, standards for the librarian, the standards for the, the librarian, or it's the framework for those three things. Um, really seeing those has opened my eyes as to what we really should be doing or what we should be focusing our instruction or our time or our space on. Mm -hmm. And it's an amazing tool to show other people, this is why I'm doing this, Mr. or Mrs. Administrator. Mm -hmm. This is why I need funding for this. Right. You know, uh, so, so that's, that's a tiny baby step that anybody can do. But to know what your standards are and to, to not be afraid to step back from some of the things that have been done in the past with lessons. Mm -hmm. um, like one thing that maybe is not traditional, but I tend to do very little instruction on the Dewey Decimal System or, 
or reading spine labels, um, I, I think that most adults either A, could figure out the, uh, the way that it's the stickers lead them to the book that they want, or mm -hmm. they're going to rely on signage. Um, I think that librarians definitely need the skill of the Dewey Decimal <laughs> System um, or, you know, just the way that we catalog and organize the books. But not every lay person needs to know that. Um, as long as my kids are able to be independent and find the books they want, that's what I'm interested in. Um, and uh, like I've, I've seen some, some other things that just aren't aligned with the standards and it just makes me want to, you know, say, hey, here's a link to the standards. <laughs> you know, this is, this is what we should be doing. It's great. It's, it's awesome. So um, that's, that's one thing. Um, I think another thing that I've already said, and I'll reiterate it, is just to remember the kids. Always think of the kids. Mm -hmm. And don't advocate for your library. Advocate for your students. Good point. And advocate for what they need. Um, and think first, like, is this what my kids want? Is this what my kids need? Or am I doing this? because of some other influence and of course you have to have some balance because yes your administrators might not want the same things that the kids want so you have to find some balance but ultimately you are are an advocate for those those students mm -hmm. and so keep them first good point let me point out some things to the listeners. So with, if you look for those AASL standards, of course it is a book and you'll hear people say it's very expensive and it is, um, but they have the learner framework online. Uh, you can print that out and put it up on your desk or your wall. Um, so that's that, you know, she mentioned there were three different frameworks. The learner one's the student view perspective of that. Mm -hmm. And then they do have an app um, that has all three and it's much less expensive. Um, and some people find that kind of easy to, to flow through and, and get ideas from, but at least look at that learner one um, that is online. It's a good, good guide for you. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, Carson, it's been great chatting with you. Um, how you mentioned Facebook groups. What else do you do to keep learning, especially since you're overseas? I, I don't see you coming back for AASL or <laughs> any of the big conferences or your North I Carolina know, conference. I'm so sad that I'm missing <laughs> some of those. Um, well, so what I'm, I'm really interested in right now is um, training in the International Baccalaureate because that's okay. um, my school is, uh, does the diploma program. Okay. So, and this is also my first time working with secondary students. So I really want to focus on that. So there are, there are um, trainings there. Okay. Uh, there are trainings here for that. And um, another thing that, that I do is social media. I mean, besides just Facebook, I'll scroll through Instagram and, uh, you know, get ideas and, you know, sometimes also feel like I'm not doing enough, which <laughs> I want true. to warn everyone, warn everyone away from that culture of comparison where you are thinking, well, they're doing that and I'm not because you may be doing something that they're not. Exactly. And it's all about learning. It's all about coming together. But I was really struggling with that towards the beginning of this year. And one of my, I told one of my students, I said, you know, 
how on social media sometimes people will look at someone and say, I'm not as pretty as her, or I don't do my job as well as them, or, you know, many other things that go through your mind when you're seeing all this stuff on social media. And he went over to the Legos and he built me a sign that said, you make the world a better place. Oh. And he said, I want to put this up in the library so that everyone can see this and not feel like that, like what you just said. Wow. And which also made him feel so proud because we really featured that sign and, yeah. uh, you know, bragged on him about that. So to everyone out there, you make the world a better place. Don't compare yourself to others. Just keep doing these little bits and bits to learn and to grow. That's awesome. Well, I've had so much fun just chatting with you today. So if our listeners want to follow you and keep up with you, where can they find you on social media? Um, right. So I, uh, I took a snooze from Twitter, but I'm back now um, <laughs> at Pancake Library. Ah, and now and, we know why and, pancake. <laughs> right. Okay. So it makes sense. It's not because I'm eating pancakes all day, although that would be great. <laughs> Um, and then Instagram at the pancake librarian. Great. Well, Carson, thanks again. And do you have any like closing words or any final tips you want to share with our listeners today? I think just be great, eat pancakes and <laughs> you make the world a better place. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you very much, Carson. And have a great day. You Bye-bye. too.